There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another thrilling, splentacular episode of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher and owner of Paranoia Magazine. Normally, I have Ron Patton, but he has decided to take it off for the week uh, weekend, and he is not on this one. He's out um, doing whatever Ron Patton does when Ron Patton is not conspiracying. So uh, we need to get you a podcast. So here I am. I'm doing it solo. Um, on the line, I have Tim Beckley, uh, one of my favorite UFO guys. Um, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Uh I, I like uh, I like talking to Tim because Tim has been doing UFO stuff and conspiracy stuff and fortune stuff and paranormal paranormal stuff longer than I've been alive and I just he has stories and experiences and I just wanted to get him on here to just shoot the shit so Tim you bet yeah let's that's do what it, we're man. here to do that's yes. what we're here to do is to Shoot the shit! I'll shoot tell you the, that's uh, shoot the that's, shit. that's been the story. That's the story of my life. Shooting the shit. Yeah. Okay. Where do where do where do we start? Well, let's start at the beginning. Oh. Okay. How'd you get into this? Well, do you want? We, we could give you we could give you two different answers here. Okay. We could go through the actual physical uh uh well uh, physical we could put that in quotes events. That okay. led up to this, or we could take the metaphysical uh, approach and say that it was predetermined. Now, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't know. I could, I could sway uh, either way. Uh, my latest theory is is that we are all part of some grand matrix, and we are uh, in a computer simulation. We have. I have recently, yes, I have recently written a book. Uh, called the uh, the Matrix Control System of Philip K. Dick and the uh, Paranormal Synchronicities of Tim Beckley. So many weird things have happened, synchronicity-wise, okay. that they cannot be coincidence. And I'm not talking about you know thinking of somebody and they call on the phone the next day or waking up in the clock says four four four. I'm not even sure what that means, but uh, okay. uh, you know. People have all kinds of synchronicity. These things are so bizarre that they've got to be either preordained, but for what purpose? Because they don't have any real meaning per se, except to give me some juicy tidbits to talk about on programs like yours. Right. Okay. So it's either some kind of master plan, and I'm not a... I'm not a religious uh, person. In fact, I kind of 
tend to poo-poo people who put all their faith in the God or put their faith in the, uh, anybody, and I certainly don't get down uh, on my knees to worship anybody because that don't do you a hell of uh, any uh, any good as far as I can uh, I can uh, see. Okay, right. so it's either predetermined or it has all been set on automatic pilot a zillion years ago. Some craft or some other species or some parallel people came and they set up shop and maybe they come back every once in a while to check out the system to see what's going on and then they say look at that jerk down there let's give him a zap you know and and, okay. and so you, something weird happens in your life and then five minutes later it's back to the same uh you know bullpucky uh, uh, uh at, that you go through uh, every day Okay, that's one explanation. That's my. That's the one that I uh, that I you know I've grown to uh, believe for myself. But okay. what evidence uh, is there? Uh, you know, I mean, it's my it's my own thinking. It's my own belief system. Okay, the physical things that transpired uh, that got me here uh, include a life saving experience when I was about three years old. Uh, uh, in the summertime, well, my my father was born in Shelbyville, Kentucky which is the home of Colonel Sanders, the Chicken King. <laughs> okay, so uh, at one time, people with, al uh, with allergies went to Kentucky to relieve their allergies. Don't ask me why, <laughs> but it's known, as, it, it's known as the bluegrass state instead of the green-ass state. Okay, right. so my mother had asthma very bad, and uh, we would pile into the car uh, in the summertime and, and drive down to Shelbyville. Now, uh, it's a, about a, a three-day drive, uh, as I recall. I was not behind the steering wheel. My father did the uh, driving, and my mother told him how to drive in the seat next to him uh, up front. <laughs> right. well, well, I played in the, in the back with my uh, rudimentary uh, toys and read the early uh, uh, Shaver Mystery uh, articles. Uh, anyway, so we, we would drive down there, and it would take about three days. Well, on one occasion, as the story goes, the Beckley legend has it, uh, we were um, uh, 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 driving through the night because we didn't have that far to go. And my uh, father uh, wanted to finish the, uh, the uh, trip. But my mother said, no, 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 we, we've got to stop. We can't go any further. So my mother being my mother and my father being my father, he immediately pulled over to the side of the road. Now I understand it was a, you know a, a foggy uh, conditions and, and so forth. So they didn't know where they pulled uh, over, but they pulled uh, mountain roads. I mean, uh, you know, uh, most of these places uh, and uh, no guardrails. I mean, uh, you know, the setting for most uh, uh, places where you've never driven before with right. somebody tailgating up your butt. Uh, you know, because they think you should be going faster when you don't know where you're going. Right. Uh, anyway, so they pulled over to the side of the road, and, and the next day when the sun rises and the fog breaks, uh, it turns out if they had got another foot or two, uh, we would have been down in the ravine, and you and I would not be talking here this afternoon. So right. we could say that uh, some uh, uh, some psychical force, some uh, angel prevented me from going over the side of the uh, the cliff because they knew I had a job to do in life. Uh, the job being to irritate many other uh, people on the air. Okay. <laughs> and, and through my books and, and, and so forth. Okay, so that was an early experience. Then the, the house that I lived in was uh, uh, had poltergeist uh, phenomena. Lights going on and off and doors opening and closing and I won't bore you with the uh, uh, the rest of uh, that, but 
I guess the the big big event would have been at the age of ten, uh, year being nineteen fifty seven. Now in those days, uh, very few people had uh, air conditioning, so you would set out on the front stoop until it cooled off, and then you could go you know in, uh, inside and uh, deal with the the heat a little bit uh, more. Well, nineteen fifty seven was the year of the flying saucer. I think outside of nineteen fifty two, it was probably more sightings than at any other time, and got a lot of press coverage. So okay. anyway, we're sitting out on the front of the stoop, and uh, I don't know, maybe four or five of us, my mother, a couple of neighbors, and somebody comes up to the uh, where we're sitting and, and says, look up there. And uh, there were two objects in the sky. One was across the street over a uh, an abandoned factory uh, building, Lefkowitz Leather. And the, one was almost directly over uh, the house that I was living in with my parents. And these things circled in the sky uh, for... I don't know, a brief period of time, 15 or 20 minutes. And then the one across the street uh, went out, blinked out uh, as if somebody had pulled a, a light switch or something. And, and finally, we just went uh, in, indoors. How long can you look at a, a couple of lights in the sky? But uh, a few, but it was unusual. I mean, a few days later, there was an item in the paper to the effect that uh, uh, other people had witnessed this. But the authorities were saying that it was nothing more unconventional than a weather balloon. Well, even at the tender age of 10, I knew it wasn't a weather balloon. It was something that seemed to be under intelligent control. I couldn't see any landing gear. I couldn't see inside the ship. No Venusians uh, waved at me. And, no Nordics? Uh, no Nordics and, were there no, 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 to no, seduce no beautiful, you? No, no beautiful Nordics. They were too busy contacting <laughs> Howard Menger about 60 miles away in Highbridge, uh, right. uh, New Jersey sitting on a rock and talking to him instead of uh, coming down in our in our back uh, backyard there in uh, New Brunswick. Uh, okay, so I, I, there was this item in the paper, and people had seen this thing, and it was supposedly a weather balloon, and it wasn't a weather balloon. So I began reading up on the subject. Um, I bought some of the early uh, books by um, Frank Edwards, like I'm sure everybody else uh, did, which had uh, short stories in there pertaining to all kinds of mysteries and strange events and uh, things that go bump in the night and things that he made up, probably. But uh, uh, they were they were nice, fanciful stories, and he was a good writer. Uh, he had a background in in media, and he had been on the radio every night until he got thrown off for talking about flying saucers, apparently. Uh, and then I went on to uh, some uh, heavier uh, literature. Uh, the works of Major Donald he, uh, Kehoe and uh, Edward uh, Ruppelt from Project Blue Book. Now, uh, Kehoe was the head of the uh, this organization, the National Investigations Committee on Area Phenomena, which had a small office on Capitol Hill, and they were pushing for congressional hearings on the uh, on the subject. Now, but Kehoe's main thrust, uh, he was mainly interested in sightings by pilots and police officers and people with some uh, credentials, you might say. And his uh, theory, and, and I say it's just a theory, although it was the popular theory and one that has uh, persisted to this day because most people just don't have the background in the field like you and I do, right. that uh, they're spaceships uh, from some other planet. You know, in those days it was popular to say that they were from uh, Mars or Venus, uh, but we know that there's not much life on uh, Mars except maybe on a weekend, you know. Uh, right. And... Uh, so that uh, you know that uh, that blew that uh, theory and uh, uh, anyway I began reading on the subject and I began writing uh, at age 14 I went out and I bought a mimeograph machine and uh, I started putting on a newsletter it was called 
the Interplanetary News Service report. So you can see I was going along with the uh, uh, the theory at the time. Go all the and, way. Uh, and it started out as a 10-page newsletter, and the press run of the first issue was 75 copies. And by time, I learned that there were other things going on in life. Uh, <laughs> I, I had built up the circulation to about fifteen or 1,600, and it was 40 pages uh, long. Well, there was no quick copy places in those days. You you print and you collate it by hand, and then you stapled it when you came to the last pile of papers. So you had to lay out like an ironing board and stack the stuff up all over the couch in the living room and go, you know, uh, it took forever to do it. And it, uh, that was not the exciting part of it. But we did have a, quite a, 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 a list of uh, contributors, and people were sending in some sensible uh, literature. And, of course, over the years, I progressed to uh, doing other magazines and newspapers, and uh, I edited at one time 30 different magazines, not all at the same time, and they were not all on UFOs. So they were on some pretty bizarre subjects. I even did a magazine once called Moped Action. Moped well, Action. Well, you could imagine how, Moped, can you imagine how much action there is on a moped? A lot, none, apparently. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, but <coughs> Publishers would hire me to do uh, their very low-brow, very cheaply done publications, and, and and so I drifted into doing, uh, I don't know, UFO magazine stuff. I I was the uh, editor in chief of UFO Universe and its uh, uh, offsprings for eleven or twelve years right. until the bottom fell out of the publishing business. And when it fell out, it fell out overnight. I remember the the publisher now he had about. 80 different magazines, most of which were selling a lot more, more copies uh, than UFO Universe. But he always said, "You can't. You, we never lost any money on UFO Universe because the the break even was so uh, uh, low, you know." But right. he had a, a staff of like a hundred uh, people and and a, a, a huge rent where I was working out of my. Uh, well, I had a small office at one point. I even had a loft and I had a basement that I paid. Uh, one hundred and twenty-five dollars a month for under Fifth Avenue. Talk about subterranean worlds, oh, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, I've always worked just out of my own place, and I I keep it going. And uh, I still do the conspiracy journal. The Tim Schwartz does it online. I put out a printed copy a couple times a year, right. and we're up to three hundred and five books. Amazing. So I've retired. I retired. I'm seventy-one years old. I retired. I'm down to doing three books a month. I still don't uh, know. Got, I don't know how you do it. Well, you know, you know how I do it. Here, here's the trick. I have been collecting this material for fifty or more years, True. so it's accessible to me. Behind me, and I would never do a a, a podcast where you do the uh, uh, the video on it, because it looks like I'm 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 in a, 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 a scrapyard. <laughs> That's I hear the best you. Way to put it uh, with the surrounded by 5,000 books, yep. 50 file drawers, and some of them are blocked by desks and beds, and I can't even find the stuff that I'm looking for. Sometimes I have to go to eBay or Amazon and order something I know that's only five feet away. Yeah. Because I, I, because I, can't, uh, because I can't find it. But anyway, it keeps me busy and off the street, and uh, uh, it keeps me rolling, and it keeps me thinking, and it keeps me... Uh, uh, you know, uh, active and and uh, we go on. Every every month we come up with a different uh, theory or a different uh, concept and sure. and allow the allow the readers to uh, 
determine uh, how good the case we make. You know, I mean, ultimate, ultimately, you know, people say, oh, you know, they're looking for UFO disclosure. Well, there's no UFO disclosure. It's no. all been disclosed. What, what, what hasn't been disclosed? I mean, outside of the fact maybe we got alien bodies or something, that's even been disclosed. Maybe not by the government, but it's disclosed. If I were the president of the United States, I would just go on TV. You know what I would tell people? Go out and buy some of Tim Beckley's books. Go out and buy uh, the uh, uh, par paranormal, uh, Paranoid magazine and make up your own mind. It's right. just like religion. Accept it or don't accept it. You know, how can you force it down somebody's throat? I mean, and then if people went, went on the t uh, TV and, uh, you know, Trump went on TV, people would think he was lying. Well, that wouldn't be a big uh, a jump in his case. But, uh, you know, people would say, oh, the government is just making up, uh, making it up. It's all part of the uh, uh, the new world order. So you never know where the, what the truth is and where the truth is. The truth is in your head. That's, you know, <laughs> just like uh, uh, Jefferson Airplane once said, uh, you know, feed your head. Uh, feed your head. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, like the good book says, feed your head. Feed your head. Like, like my good books say, feed your head. <laughs> yes, buy, buy Tim Beckley's books. I'm in some of those books. Oh, I, you are indeed. Yes. I, well, I need know, to be in more. I need to be in more. Yeah, we have, we have gotten together. Well, my, my, my doing a book is kind of like doing a magazine. Since I, I'm yeah. an old magazine man, People, some people don't even know what a magazine is, I suppose. But uh, well, Barnes and Noble, you can still find fourteen times. That's about the only one uh, that I see anymore. Yeah. Everybody else has gone out of business, uh, as far as like print uh, goes. Are you guys still print? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. you are. We are. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where do you find it? The magazine. Uh, Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. Uh, you I know, can never figure out how to put a magazine up on Amazon. To be honest with you. We'll talk. I can explain to you. Yeah, but now, yeah, yeah, but I, I yeah, I, I have one or two things up there. You got to put it under Kindle. They do have another service, but that's a little more complicated than that. But uh, than that, you know, you know, yeah. speaking speaking of that, you know, at various times since I purchased Paranoia, um, I've been approached by distributors, and it's yes. like when the and this is a secret of the publishing <laughs> world is that you're supposed to put things through distributors and every time the distributors come uh -huh. to me and they they give yeah. me their deal i look at it i'm like dude that, yeah. i'll go broke doing yeah. that oh and, yeah, and many and many people have oh yeah there, there's as far as i know there's only one decent distributor that handles this type of uh, material uh it's a little company out of brooklyn called ubiquity yeah i talked to and, ubiquity uh, yeah. yeah, they are. I, I, oh, I would say they will. Give you, they will give you. Yeah, they'll give you an honest uh, deal. Oh, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, you always have to print a lot more copies than you're ever going to sell, yeah. because even though you may print, let's say, five thousand copies for newsstand distribution, the wholesalers will send it around to their various outlets. But there is no. Uh, there, there's uh, there's no. no commitment. Uh, no commitment no. by the dealer to put it out. He doesn't have to put it out. Nope. If he, I mean, I, I've in the old days when we were doing UFO Universe, I'd ask the dealer, "Why don't you carry the magazine?" He'd say, "Because nobody will buy it." Well, maybe they won't buy it in his store, so the, the wholesaler will put twenty copies somewhere else where he's only going to sell five. Right. So then they start to cut the they start to cut the allotment. And I don't know. You you, you can't it's win hard. at it. You but kind of, kind of big time book publishing is like that too. And I. <laughs> Refuse to uh, go that uh, route. You know, most people say, oh, look at that pile of books, uh, you know, when you walk in the store at uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, 
there are tables and tables of books, and everybody thinks that the publisher and the author is getting rich. Nope. But that's not the case because that big stack of books, there's 20 copies out there tomorrow. If it doesn't sell half those copies in a week, they go back. They go yep. back. They go back to the uh, the distributor or the wholesaler, which is usually Ingram, and you pay the shipping both ways. I know. I know. So, uh, I mean, I, I I could tell you some horror stories about that, but we're we're here to talk about spiritual things. Yes. Right? So <laughs> now, my my favorite. Yeah. So aside from the fact that you know or knew. All the famous people, pretty much, of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and 90s. Yes, 60s and 70s. I I wouldn't say uh, 50s, necessarily. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I got, like I say, I I got the printing press and all when I was about uh, uh, 14 or 15. Uh, Yeah, and then then uh, Jim Mosley hired me. He took over the uh, magazine. and combined it with Saucer News. He had a much bigger circulation because he had been on, that was at the height of the uh, uh, Michigan UFO flap, what had been 1965, I guess. And and so he took my 1,500 subscribers and combined it with his 10,000 subscribers and hired me as managing editor and advertising director of Saucer News. And that's when I started coming into New York uh, every day because he had a little office there. And uh, we were pretty busy. Uh, you know, I mean, it was it, it was a pretty active time. And uh, to the uh, to the media, it, it was kind of fresh news, see? So he was able to get on, a, you know, a lot of TV shows and things like that to promote the publication. Today we've got pod, today we've got podcasts. Right. Uh, we don't have that many TV. There aren't really that many. I'm be, I'm being out talked by your dog. <laughs> I know. I you know it's really cold outside. So for once, yeah. I did the podcast inside. So then you can hear my yeah. dog. Yes, I have a dog. Well, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, any, anyway, so he got on a lot of shows and promoted the magazine, and uh, uh, there was quite a uh, a media flurry. Uh, at that uh, time in 1965 and 1966, uh, the wheels were, you know, the wheels were rolling and the saucers were flying and everybody wanted to know uh, about the uh, the subject. Uh, today, uh, I would say you've got more of a niche audience and then you've got people who do it for entertainment and watch uh, Agent uh, Astronauts or Aliens or some of the TV shows at all. And I don't know if right. they ever... A pick up a book uh, or another they may from uh, they do. time to time but yeah they yeah but if you go to if you if you go to amazon you can read 10 percent of the book for free anyway <laughs> so true. that that that, that kind of irks me uh you know like you can sit there and read all day long and, and not buy the uh, book i don't know yeah uh, i would think that uh, the the uh, the the author i guess does get a small fee now if you uh, uh get a book under the select program or something it, it's all it's all very iffy it's very difficult to make a living these days it is as a, a writer and a publisher uh, i managed to do it because i had all these titles already under my belt right. if i had to start from scratch it it it, 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 it would be almost uh, impossible i don't know yeah. it's 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 tough yeah. now now you you have a story if i do recall yes that, that i just love to death this is the yes. fo- the photo of the mib Oh yeah, yeah. Well, again, this was during that uh, uh, that big UFO flap uh, period in the uh, late sixties, uh, uh, and and I was working for Jim Mosley at Saucer News. Like I said, we had this uh, office at three hundred three Fifth Avenue, right? And 
he had a staff of uh, uh, of uh, interesting uh, people. Uh, one of them being a, a fellow by the name of uh, Jack Robinson. Now, Jack Robinson uh, was a uh, uh, someone who had uh, been on the Long John Neville show. That Long John was the original all night. Uh, talk show host who right. uh, promoted uh, Party the Paranormal. Line. Party line, right? Party line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long before, uh, well, you know, it wasn't even a party line uh, yeah, when they when they started out. You could only hear one side of the conversation, and John would have to repeat what you were saying. Oh, really? And, and look, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, then the beeper call came in where there was a se- seven-second delay, and you would hear beep, 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 so he could cut you off the air. But even before that, he was he was in the building where Western Union was, so people would send a telegram, and somebody oh, from wow. Western Union would take it up the elevator. Yeah, so yeah, the, the party line. I, I guess that came along later on. Anyway, he had all these people on, and uh, uh, you know it was an interesting program. I was on there quite a few times, and uh, Jack Robinson would go on there from time to time to talk about uh, the Shaver mystery. Right. Uh, the Shaver mystery uh, being. Uh, uh, stories that originally appeared in uh, Amazing uh, uh, Stories, Amazing Tale, Amazing Stories, Amazing Stories magazine, which was a a pulp science fiction uh, publication that came out monthly out of Chicago. But uh, Ray Palmer, being the editor, uh, he got a hold of this material that Shaver wrote about his uh, contact with underground uh, races and published it. And the regular sci-fi readers got hysterically uh, mad, like science fiction people do, because they hate. Uh, anything to do with this uh, field and they tried to drum him out of business so he uh, uh, eventually had to take the Shaver mystery which had made the magazine grow in circulation I don't know by 30,000 copies or something but right. he originally had a fold he had originally uh, had to fold his tent and he moved to uh, Evanston uh, Illinois and started the Fate magazine with Curtis uh, Fuller and continued on with the Shaver mystery and and all the great uh, uh, stories that we enjoyed reading in Fate magazine while we uh, uh, we uh, grew up, and we we miss it uh, greatly, uh, actually. Uh, and uh, so that that was the uh, the Shaver mystery, and 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 uh, John Robinson, uh, Jack Robinson, was into that. But he also knew about uh, uh, underground uh, races around the world. He had some great great stories, and he would uh-huh. he would set forth a long John show and talk talk about these things. Uh, anyway, there was an incident that uh, took place uh, in a uh, park in. I think it was Paramus, New Jersey, but don't hold me to the actual town, where some teenage boys had seen a craft land and some uh, creatures got out of the uh, ship. Uh-huh. And uh, 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 apparently it was a pretty close sighting, and uh, uh, they they told the local media about it, and uh, Jack Robinson, being a uh, reporter for Saucer News, went along with a few other people and interviewed the boys. Right. Now... Supposedly, according to Jack, while they were interviewing the boys, uh, there was a, a, a dark a, a black automobile parked a block away with the window half rolled down and somebody seemingly monitoring their activities. Okay. okay. Well, we, we know that the men in black usually come in the uh, in, in black uh, Cadillacs and they wear sunglasses and, the, and hats that cover most of their faces. And they're, they're very uh, spooky. Even though they could look human, they behave very strange. Uh, if right. anybody wants to read up on the uh, Men in Black, if you don't know the stories, and I'm sure they do, I've got uh, two books out on it. I think one is called UFO Terrorist, and the other one is the UFO uh, Silencers, uh, which you can find on uh, uh, Amazon. Which okay, I so, which which I recommend, by the way. Both of those are yeah. excellent, and I love the UFO Silencers. 
Oh, well, that was you know that started out as a little pamphlet. I, I it was like thirty two pages, and I published two thousand copies of it. The, this being back in the nineteen late nineteen sixties, early seventies, and it sold out right away. That book has gone into nine or ten uh, you know editions over the, uh, it's the years. It, 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 it is a good is. book, I, I would say. That book, and they knew too much about flying saucers by yep. Gray Barker. Uh, and a book by Nick uh, Redford uh, on the Men in Black, and you you, yeah. you got to know all you need to know about uh, the uh, the the MIB. <coughs> okay, uh, Jack started uh, 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 calling our office and saying that strange things were happening uh, in his apartment. Uh, he would go out and he would come back, and 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 his files would be on the floor. In other words, it looked like somebody had broken into the apartment, but there was no sign. Of, uh, of anything being uh, uh, vandalized. It was more of a harassment type of thing. Then yeah. his wife, Mary, claimed that when Jack went into the city uh, for his day job, he worked in a bank, uh, she would go out and do the shopping and the, uh, and the uh, errands, and uh, uh, she would notice that there was this uh, tall, uh, slender fellow, uh, pretty much dressed like uh, what I just described, standing in the doorway seemingly monitoring the activities of people coming in and out of her uh, building where her and her husband lived. And, okay, now, she kept uh, calling uh, the office there, Saucer News, and telling Jim about this and wanting us to investigate. But we didn't want to waste our time. Uh, we didn't know. Or is, is Mary? Now, she was kind of prone to have all kinds of strange stories. You know, there were goblins in her tree outside. She was fooling around with the Ouija board, and messages were coming uh, through. Uh, so we wanted to see if there was anything to the story. So we figured we would show up there in Jersey City early in the morning at about the time she would do her errand to see if there was any anything strange indeed going on without telling her that we were coming so that she there was no way that she could uh, set it up, you know. Okay, so we pull onto the block where they live, and lo and behold, standing in the doorway, uh, either their doorway or ne uh, the uh, doorway next to them, uh, was this individual, like I've described. There was a black car uh, parked at the uh, the curb. Uh, Jim Mosley, who was driving, hands me his camera. I stick my head out the uh, the window. I take a photograph of the uh, a person in the doorway, and I uh, take a photograph of the car. And uh, there's no parking space, and everybody's double parked, and it's, it's a mess, especially at that uh, early morning of the uh, time of the day. So we uh, drive around the block hoping that we can find a, a place to pull in and I can get out or Jim can get out or we can both get out and talk to this individual to find out who he is and what he's doing there to see if there's anything strange going on or uh, whether he's going to babble to us in some alien language. I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, so we, we go around the block, which I would guess took maybe uh, seven or eight uh, minutes, uh, ten minutes at the most. We get back to where he was standing. He's gone, and the car's gone. And Mary and Jack said they never saw him again after that. So instead of being frightened by the men in black, we actually chased him away. That's crazy. That that's just the uh, the opposite of most uh, uh, most uh, stories. Then I, then I've had some other uh, cases. I uh, see. I think the men in black they they are probably human, and I think it's people that have been put under weak-willed people who have been put under the mental control of some outside force. Yeah, okay. Let's say aliens, because, uh, you know, we could just uh, set here, all the terrestrials, because we don't know where they're coming from. Uh, right. I mean, I think they're weak-willed individuals who are 
set to do a, a job. And then when they snap out of it, like hypnosis, they have no recall of what they've done. Right. They have no idea that they threatened somebody or that they broke it into somebody's uh, apartment and probably don't know anything about UFOs. Probably. Uh, I, that, that's my theory. Anyway, I, I, I just think that they're, they're, they're humans working under the control. Because there is, I, I mean, as you know, being editor of this magazine here, is that uh, uh, there is a great mental control that these beings seem to have over the influence of, of earthlings, you know, over us. Somebody. Somebody, somebody. has. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody has. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the other thing that always struck me, because I've been on your, your radio show yeah. uh, mm-hmm. many times, you know, yeah. is you you knew a lot of these guys like Mosley and, and, yeah. uh, and uh, Gray Barker and, and others. Uh-huh. And John Keel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he he was my neighbor. He he yeah. lived uh, a couple of blocks from here in Kips Bay, and uh, I'd go over to his apartment at night, and we'd stay up uh, pretty late, and sometimes we'd have a, a guest, and uh, we'd all sit around talking about these things. And uh, you know, he was kind of a. Uh, uh, I can't say that he was the first person. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, uh, uh, claims that he was the first to. Uh, bring in the paranormal aspect of this but that's not a hundred percent sure because true because there certainly was a, a charles ford right. who, who had a, a total mixed bag of uh, of uh, everything oh, yeah. and then there were some other uh, lesser known uh, writers that i can't even recall their names uh, uh you know offhand but he had some intriguing stories uh which were set off of course by uh, uh the the activity uh in the point pleasant west virginia where the Mothman was being seen, but you know he didn't go down to a Point Pleasant to uh, to check on Mothman. He uh, was writing a column for a, uh, a national newspaper syndicate that I think was carried in about fifty uh, newspapers. I mean, John was a, a very good uh, writer and a very creative uh, person. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that he worked on uh, TV as a uh, as a, a writer on some of the uh, shows like To Tell the Truth and. Uh, What's my line? And I didn't you know, know that. He, he, oh yeah, yeah. He he made a profession as a writer. Uh, you know, and he got into this because I guess pretty much because of the the Mothman thing. But he had gone down there to check out a report of a of a flying cat. Believe it or not. Okay. And uh, apparently, uh, apparently they they claimed that this cat had wings, and I did see a photograph of it. And it did have. It either had wings. Or it it had the hair balls that you know had uh, extended way beyond with yeah 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 you know I mean it was a, the cat was kind of strange uh, looking but I don't think it actually flew and nobody saw it fly except it was uh, it it was found up a tree or something like that you know okay. trying to get down yeah, but cats go up trees all the time it doesn't mean they fly up there right uh, you know and and of course they can never get down but then the cat disappeared. And some people thought he flew off or something like that. And then there, there was actually a lawsuit over who owned the cat. But so uh, anyway, that's why John had gone down there. And at the same time, uh, there was the bird story, cats and birds and all that. And uh, and uh, so, I mean, maybe that's a little synchronous and a little strange, too. I never thought right. of that before. But, but uh, I mean, the Mothman creature, you know, standing, uh, what, uh, 10 or 12 feet tall, 30-foot right. uh, wingspan, uh, chasing airplanes and cars and necking teenagers and... Uh, TNT area and uh, right. eventually leading up to the uh, collapse of the uh, Silver, Silver Bridge. Bridge. 
uh, an exciting time in ufology, no doubt, uh, no doubt about it. And and he was a character, as was uh, Jim uh, uh, Mosley. But uh, Jim, you know, uh, uh, people think he was a, a non-believer. Well, the problem with Jim was, and and I knew him uh, very well. I mean, I stayed at his house. I worked uh, for him. <coughs> we got hired at Jimi Hendrix uh, concert uh, together, you know, and, okay. and, and all those things. But <laughs> Jim's problem was is that he never went on his own gut feelings. He would always listen to what other experts thought. So even oh. Philip Class, if Philip Class told him something, he would believe it. Why? You know, I mean, just because somebody tells you something doesn't mean that it's uh, that it's uh, true. You know, I mean, go out and, and find out for yourself. Right. It just, it, it sounds like a very interesting time in, in ufology. Because, I mean, there was yeah, so well, much going on. Well, yes, and also, too, there was a little bit more of the camaraderie. Right. I mean, there were, meeting, there were meetings and uh, uh, inner circle groups and, and conventions and things along that line where today, you know, I don't have to go out of the house. I just have my own podcast exploring the, uh, the uh, bizarre and my own uh, YouTube channel, Mr. UFO Secret Files. So you don't really... <laughs> go anywhere i mean for the most uh, the part unless it's uh, uh, you know the mothman convention in point pleasant which i hear attracts a very good crowd of ten thousand people i i did last year i went to pine bush new york where they had a little mini uh, convention you know uh, uh, not convention well they had media they had they had lectures outdoors and it was real hot and peter robbins was there and linder zimmerman and and so forth they, it was an event and then the police car comes through town with a couple of men in black uh, hanging out the back and uh, waving and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that was that was an area, you know, Pipe Bush, uh, New York. It never got quite that much attention. But uh, you, you know how many UFO uh, 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 festivals, let's call them that, there are around the country now? I mean, I've lost the uh, count. There's oh. one in Kelly, uh, Kelly, Kentucky. Uh, there's another mini one, I guess, in uh, 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 the uh, West Virginia, Braxton County, uh, Flatwoods, Flatwoods, uh, West Virginia, everywhere. A everywhere, and, yeah. and of course Mc McMinnville. If I pronounce that, I have, that, uh, I like, have my McMinnville shirt on right now. You, uh, is that right? You've been to the conference? I have not convention? been. To, actually, funny uh, story. I went to McMinnville for. A com I I have always wanted to go to the con the the uh, convention yeah. and the festival. Festival. Yeah. Yeah, festival, I have, yeah, yeah. I have not. I plan to go this year, um, but I actually went there for a completely different reason. I went yeah. because um, there's a CIA airline that was based out of McMinnville called Evergreen Aviation. Oh. Huh. And the, there you go. Right, and the the founder of Evergreen Air, um, he retired, and then took a bunch of the money that the CIA had paid him to be a. CIA, uh, basically a CIA airline and he built a massive I mean massive airplane museum I mean it's uh -huh. it's so big they have an ICBM in it like a uh, nuclear missile well there you go yeah and I, so uh, uh, yeah. I went for that yeah and Minville became famous because mom and pop Trent took right. a photo of a UFO that looked like a pie plate yep and I think I they mean, took they six, six frames. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, you could. Uh, it looks like a pie plate, right? I mean, that it you does. threw up in the air. I mean, I and some people said it was a pie plate, but they they went to you know even up there in years they stuck to their story, and mm-hmm. I have no reason to think that it wasn't a pie plate. I, I don't know. I, you know, Bruce Maccabee uh, did a whole uh, uh, analysis of the uh, uh, of the uh, objects and proved that it couldn't have been a pie plate, but uh, it looks like a pie plate. It doesn't look like anything that saucer men would come from from Mars. I mean, it, it, that, that's the thing with UFOs, man. They don't look like what they should be. So, and and the the aliens, ultra terrestrials, don't act like aliens should. Now, I don't expect somebody that comes here from another planet is going to be exactly like humans although there might be some that are coming here that are uh, but these people are just crazy I, I mean it's like they they let out the insane asylum and they've come down here I mean you know the, some of the stories are just totally wacko and and, and yeah. out of uh, control now I'll, I'll tell you one uh, a story here that'll probably bring us pretty close to the end of the program but uh, okay you know synchronicities. That's uh, that, like I say. That's kind of my trip at the uh, the moment. Okay. I mean, uh, now how did I uh, uh, in, in the book the uh, uh, the uh, Mind Matrix of uh, uh, Philip K. Dick, which runs like four hundred and fifty pages, and it's got about yeah. fifty synchron uh, fifty synchronicities uh, of uh, mine uh, in there. I, I think I first came uh, my first real hardcore synchronicity that I can recall. Uh, back in the 19, I guess it would have been late 1960s, uh, I was uh, lecturing, I was invited to lecture to the Congress of Scientific Ufologists, which is kind of a, uh, uh, a, a joke because there are no scientists at all involved in the group. Never, never, never were. I mean, uh, as, as far as I could, uh, well, Jack I Robinson did. was a member. Yeah. Well, not, he wasn't involved in this. Uh, in our no, group. no, 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 no. Oh, okay, but there was uh, Chip Mosley, Craig Barker, Rick Hilberg, uh, and Dale Reddick was the promoter of that year's uh, event in San Francisco. So he had invited me to come out there and give a, a lecture along with a bunch of other people. And I guess the lecture was either a Friday or Saturday at night, and, and it was pretty well attended. I think there were three or 400 people there, uh, and I gave my talk, and it went over fairly uh, well. And uh, Sunday, I was due to come back uh, east. You know, um, I think the flight was out of uh, San Francisco, maybe at uh, five in the afternoon. So we, okay. we had some time to kill. So uh, uh, the uh, sponsors uh, decided to uh, take me out to uh, a farewell brunch on Sunday uh, afternoon. Now, we picked a place totally at random that they had never been in before, and certainly I had never been in uh, before because I'd never been to San Francisco. Okay, so we sat down, we looked at the menu, and we uh, chit-chatted. And, and just as part of the uh, the conversation, I, I happened to say, well, geez, you know, I know a few people that moved from uh, New York to San Francisco, and if I had planned this a little bit better, I should have gotten in touch with them and told them uh, that I was going to be here speaking so they could come down and say hello. Right. And I happened to mention a fellow by the name of Alan Vaughn. Now, Alan Vaughn was this very—I I, I find him—I found him to be very entertaining a person. Now, uh, we had to uh, set up one of the first metaphysical schools in New York, uh, in the whole country. It was the New York School of Occult Arts and Sciences, and we had all kinds of people coming in and giving lectures 
classes and workshops and how to use the Ouija board safely. And we had midnight uh, seances on Saturday and so forth. And, and one of the uh, one of the uh, the speakers and presenters was this fellow Alan Vaughn, who was a channel. Uh, a channel and a psychic and had a very good reputation. I mean, he had worked with people uh, at Maimonides uh, Hospital in the Dream Lab and uh, so forth. Anyway, he had gotten up and he moved to San Francisco because he had been hired to become the editor of a very prestigious magazine on uh, parapsychology called Psychic. Very glossy uh, uh, publication put together. High end, yeah. yeah. Now, in those days, you, you know, there, there were a variety of magazines. Uh, I mean, Fate was a little uh, uh, pulp magazine that sold the best, but uh, it was fairly easy to get uh, some distribution on a magazine. And uh, this, he obviously had some financial backing on it. He wasn't the publisher. He was the uh, uh, the editor, but it was a full-time yeah. job. So I said, you know, geez, I, I wish I had called Alan because he was a good friend and we always had a, uh, a beer after his lectures. Well, two minutes later, the uh, the front door to the restaurant that we're in swings open, and somebody comes in with their dog on a leash, and I look at him and decide, but like, that looks pretty peculiar. That looks like Alan Vaughn. So uh, I motioned the guy over to the table, and we recognized each other. It was Alan Vaughn. And I said, Alan, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I was just walking down the street. I figured I'd stop in for a beer or something. He had never been to the place uh, before. None of us had ever been to the place before. San Francisco has a population of about a million people. Why would this guy that I hadn't seen in five years, hadn't been in touch with, walk into a place where all of us were see, uh, setting down, talking about him just a couple of minutes beforehand? So we got a kind of a chuckle out of that. And I, I, I asked Alan, I said, well, uh, Alan, so I know you're working on Psychic Magazine, but uh, uh, what are your other projects? He said, well, you know, I'm working on a book on uh, coincidences and synchronicities, and I guess I'll have to include this in it. So if you can find that little 50-cent uh, paperback uh, book, I, uh, you know, you can buy it on uh, eBay. I don't remember the exact uh, title, uh, but look for the book by Alan Vaughn. I, I think it's Case 17 or Case 37 where he, he mentions this. So it's not a setup. It's not made up. I mean, what are the chance? You know, that's like almost like winning the lottery, except that there's no prize, uh, except, to, uh, it, 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 except to say hello. To a, uh, a, haven't seen in a while and have a, have a big laugh uh, over it. Uh, sure, another another sure. in, another incident, and, and, and this is even this is even a little bit more uh, bizarre. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends that live in in and around uh, Tucson, okay. and. Uh, uh, for a while there, I was going down to, to visit uh, some of these uh, people, my friend Sharla and uh, uh, Ed Beeble had moved there from, uh, he was part of the Cleveland Ufology uh, group, and he had moved uh, there. Uh, I guess everybody likes the weather in Tucson as opposed to the snow in Cleveland or, or wherever, you know. Right. And uh, so uh, Alan uh, Benz had a, has a UFO uh, group. Uh, which is on Facebook, and he's been involved in the subject for yeah, quite a few uh, decades. You know, uh, almost as long as I have, I would imagine. And he uh, was also from, I think, uh, Ohio. I mean, maybe that's where the boys originally had, uh, met him. But he moved to uh, Tucson, and he became the librarian for the Aerial Phenomena Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Uh, APRO for short okay. which right. was a, a, a international a group run by a husband and wife team of Jim and Coral Lorenzen. Lorenzen now right. un, unlike unlike uh, NICAP uh, they weren't too much interested in uh, 
reports of uh, sightings by airplane pilots and stuff. Uh, they got into the uh, the little bit weirder stuff. Uh, uh, there were no real abductions in those days, but there were a lot of cases in, in Europe and uh, South America where people were being harassed by uh, little uh, hairy men and, right. and right. Uh, the strange troll-like creatures. France, and, too, right? Uh, yeah, Fran- yeah, France, Italy. Yeah, France, France, Italy, Italy I mean, right. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 the the uh, Boas case down in uh, Brazil, where Brazil, right. uh, Brazil, where the guy had the sex with a uh, uh, an alien and so forth. Anyway, right. they got all these reports and they had them uh, translated. And Alan Vaughn was the librarian of the uh, of the group. In fact, when uh, they just started putting together uh, the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The production company, or, or the movie company, I think it was uh, Paramount, but I may be wrong on that, uh, uh, called them down to APRO, and they wanted to know if they could access, uh, have access to some of their reports and their files. So uh, uh, Jim and uh, Coral Redson, being rather busy and perhaps a little bit uh, bored by the situation, gave the job of collecting some material to Alan Benz. So he was involved in the early stages before Dr. Heineck of the uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay, so I, I wanted to find out some information about APRO and, and just curious, you know, curious uh, type of uh, things that nobody else uh, probably would, would care about. What happened to their files, whether I mean, they had any, uh, what happened to, to their children, right. and were their children interested in the organization? Did anybody else try to carry on after they did and so forth and so on? Okay, Makes so sense. we probably spent, okay, we spent the uh, latter part of maybe uh, – uh, a Friday uh, afternoon uh, 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 talking about APRO with, with Alan. Okay, uh, then when the uh, when I had finished the conversation, uh, I uh, hooked up with my friend uh, Sharla, uh, and uh, we usually, when I go out there, uh, uh, spend some time and go down to Sedona, uh, which is a very artsy community. Uh, right. They're about uh, 100 miles, I guess, from uh, Tucson, 90 miles. Uh, it's an artist uh, colony, and I mean, there's all kinds of art galleries, hotels, resorts, beautiful scenery, the Red Rocks, and uh, and of course, people go down there for uh, UFO encounters and meditation and the whole uh, bit. Uh, right. it, it's uh, it's a nice place to visit. It's kind of to me, I always thought of it as the Woodstock, not the uh, the music festival, but the kind of that uh, airy town. outdoor place that you go. Uh, on a weekend uh, when you want to get away from the uh, you know the bustle and, uh, and hassle of the big the city so sure. it, it's about a, I think a three and a half hour uh, 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 drive and uh, we stopped in and saw uh, uh, Chris O'Brien who you know is the uh, animal mute uh, guy right. and, and then uh, you know drove down to uh, uh, Sedona and got there and had a brunch and a place uh uh, called the uh, the coffee pot, which is where everybody, including Shirley MacLaine, who you saw uh, owns some property, hangs out there, and Robin Quivers, uh, you know Steve uh, Howard, uh, Howard Stern, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Howard yeah. Stern, Howard Howard Stern. Stern. Yeah, 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 yeah. She uh, she uh, hooked up one time there with Joshua Warren, and they had a conversation. And uh, anyway, it's a place to go, especially if you like omelets. They have 103 omelets on oh, the wow. menu. Damn. Oh yeah, but you know you you want a peanut butter and pineapple omelet. That's like down uh, on a hundred and two on the list, you know. So, right, uh, right. Uh, okay. So uh, anyway, we hung out there. We had a bloody mary. Then we uh, go to drive and find a place to stay and do some sightseeing. 
And uh, we go out into the parking lot and go to get into her car. Charlotte was doing the driving. And the automobile next to us is, is sticking out a little bit, uh, you know, we're, we're parked caddy corner or whatever you, you call that, you know. Right, and right. Uh, uh, it, the car is stuck out a little bit more than perhaps it should be. And we happen to notice that. And we, we happen to notice uh, the license plate on the back of the car. And what does the license plate say, uh, but APRO, A-P-R-O, in big big letters. letters. Now, okay, the organization has been uh, defunct for 30 years. Yeah, I was going to say decades. Oh, decades, decades. Decades. Nobody, nobody knew that we were, it it couldn't have been a setup because nobody knew we were, where we were going. Right. If they did know where we were going, how did they know what we were driving and what, where we were parked and have even a park space since the, the parking lot was all full? How would they manage to get the slot uh, right uh, next to us? I mean, right. you can't you can't make this stuff up. No. APRO, APRO. Uh, in fact, we took a photograph of the license plate. Uh, it's on my desk uh, here and because <laughs> it reminds me of synchronicities and it's in several of my books, including the one on Philip, Philip K. Dick. But, you know, I've got all these uh, synchronicities. And again, uh, is it destiny ruling us? Is there are, are there beings, all the terrestrials, that planning our every move? Well, uh, are they? do they know what I'm going to have for brunch in a, in a few minutes? I, I, I don't know. Or, or is, it something, is it something mechanical that was set up uh, eons ago? Or is it all just some grand cosmic joke? And that's my story. I mean, that, that, that's it in a, uh, a nutshell, you know? Damn. You know, that's why I wanted to bring you on. I mean, you, you just, you are the most prolific publisher I know. You uh-huh. have the most and, and interesting I, and books. And I can cram more into an hour that, verbally than anybody else. That is true. That is true. It's like well, no, two I've, speed. I've heard a couple of. I've I've heard I've heard a couple other people that get back back <coughs> be pretty good. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's just the opposite. When I first started this, I remember uh, I was on some sh- station in Pittsburgh, and it was the middle of the night. You know, yeah. and, and, and the host, I guess, wanted to go out for a smoke because he asked me a question, and he disappeared, and I didn't see him for twenty minutes. Well. Yeah, you know, if you're like, you know, only been doing this for a couple of years, that could be a frightening experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, but today, but today, I don't know, you asked me, uh, a couple of times I've been on podcasts and I couldn't even hear what the the host was saying because we had such a bad connection. But I, I uh, you know, I asked myself a question and go on to the uh, on to the next, you know, and, and I was invited back, so I guess I did a good enough job. So there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. All right. Well, my time with you was short, but but um, well, we can we can we can, we can do this uh, again. I'm I, oh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm good, I'm good for an hour. Uh, you know, I, I some of these shows. Well, Long John used to go on for five and a half hours. No, I know. Can, I you, know. can you imagine that? Of course, now he had six people on, and there was a half hour break. Sarge's Deli would bring over some corned beef sandwiches. But you try eating corned beef sandwiches at two thirty or three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I'm I'm going out for one now. So I, uh, if anybody wants to reach me, I'm very easy to to uh, find. Uh, just go to Google and type in Tim Beckley, or it's uh, conspiracyjournal.com, 
uh, and the YouTube channel is Mr. UFO's Secret Files. And go there, listen to some of our shows. They've all been a- animated by uh, Peter Bernard, and it's a hell of a good uh, time. Uh, we probably have a good, a good time and an educational one. We try to ra- uh, we try to roll the two of them uh, together. It's you know I I highly recommend it. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks again for coming on. It was awesome. And well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you're a, yeah. a, com- a a comrade in arms. Absolutely. I feel the same way well, about I, you. I, I, I don't know if the, the arms so much, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm easy going. Hey, okay. Take care, man. You too, My man. My pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, bye. <laughs> well, that, that was another thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. You can find us at ParanoiaMagazine.com. You can find us on Facebook at Paranoia Magazine. Twitter is Paranoia Mag. Instagram is Paranoia Mags. Uh, Definitely uh, check it out. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And as I say, uh, be excellent to one another. And uh, I'm not going to say Ron's bit because he's not here. But hey, uh, have a good one and, uh, and good night. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now. <laughs>